Good morning, and welcome to Being the Change Now. Good morning, Ashwini. Good morning, Bob. I uh, need just one second here to get where I need to be. Give me a second here. Ashwini, can you hear me? Hi, Bob. Yes, I okay. can hear you now. <laughs> okay, so we're having one of those mornings, I guess. Uh, all kinds yes. of stuff going down here. <laughs> all right, so uh, welcome, everyone. Um, so our assignment from... Uh, last from this for this week, um, uh, there are two kinds of intelligence. One acquired as a child in school memorized facts and concepts from books and from what the teacher says, collecting information from traditional sciences as well as from the new sciences. With such intelligence, you rise in the world. You get ranked ahead or behind others in regard to your competence in retaining information. You stroll with this intelligence in and out of fields of knowledge, getting always more marks on your preserving tablets. There is another kind of tablet, one you already completed and preserved inside you, a spring overflowing its spring box, a freshness in the center of the chest this other intelligence does not turn yellow or stagnate. It's fluid, and it doesn't move from outside to inside through conduits of plumbing learning. This second knowing is a fountainhead from with you moving out, Rumi. Our assignment last week was to notice this other kind of intelligence. This week, we continue to be aware of the still small voice, but with an additional focus of being attentive to it, without going to convention mind to the preserving tablets of knowledge, practice getting to know this friend within. We are not attempting to label the voice, categorize it, define it, analyze it, make it an object, a thing that I am apart from. Rather, we are using intuition to sense its quality become familiar with its tone, notice its cadences, touch its depths, be alert to its presence, interested in what it has to say, receptive to its guidance. We are plunging further within in the practice of increasing intimacy with our very being. All right. And a second here, and I'll get our first caller on, Ishwini. First caller, you're now live on the air. Will you please introduce yourself? This is Phil. Hey, Phil. Hi. Um, so I, um, in looking at the this assignment, this uh, you know over the weekend and stuff, <clears throat> what I've been seeing is that um, by focusing so. Uh, so much attention uh, and being so conscious of the uh, still small voice, um, I see all these ways uh, more, uh, let's see, all the um, more nuances, um, more subtle ways, can, you know, the ego voice tries to get me to not stay you know, stay with the voice or hear the voice. Uh-huh. So the increase in attention is not just uh, assisting you to be more attentive to the still small voice, but also more aware of how the conditioned voice attempts to override it. 
Exactly. And, you know, right now I'm in a situation where, you know, it's a life or death matter, not physically. You know, it's between mm. life and, and ego. And mm-hmm. if I don't, you know, I'm just watching, watching the uh, that fine line of staying focused on on life and, you know, where all the love and, and um, you know, acceptance is. And at the same time, seeing how, um, uh, just seeing how conditioning can just, in in ways that that I, I wouldn't have guessed before, were ways to get me uh, to look uh, away from that, or to to move away from, to get my attention away from just being here. Because if it's mm-hmm. if I'm not here right now it's um <laughs> it's really you know not good <laughs> not ever yeah. i'm sure well, but right now particularly yes so phil i think that you're pointing us to something very important right because what what you're in is in a battle for your soul it looks like right between the devil and, mm-hmm. and life <laughs> And uh-huh. it's that razor's edge. And so the, the, the awareness that it could go either way based on how, how attentive you are being. And what it, what it tells us is really what we're up against, right? Because you've you, you practiced, you've practiced in all kinds of situations, and you're still aware of how conditioning could take you over in this particular circumstance because it's a particularly challenging circumstance. And so the still, the still small voice is our companion, and we have a worthy opponent that's doing everything it can possibly do to drown that voice out. And so exactly. we get to practice, or you get to practice, how to, how to uh, continue to have attention on that voice, how, what its presence feels like in a really challenging situation. Because that really is what practice is about. It's not that we are practicing to feel good or have a particular experience, but we're practicing to be able to be with life no matter what the circumstance. So the assignment is about what does get, get learn about, learn about or be more intimate with this voice and what you're getting to, uh, to see and practice is what does that voice sound like in particularly challenging situations especially when conditioning is doing everything it can to grab your attention because of the circumstances. Exactly. And um, this is a circumstance that I would never, ever in my life want to happen. And I can already feel how grateful I am for um, having having to uh, have this happen because um, I can... Because of what I'm seeing and how much I have to, um, yeah, stay on that edge uh, or, you know, and and it is like a, a practice of, I, I'm sure, well, I know it is a practice of death, of how, you know, experiencing death of others is, and I imagine it's the experience of our own literal death as well, uh, is just having to stay so centered. Yes, yes. So the the that reflects a maturity of perspective. 
in having gone through situations like this and recognizing that what happens is ego's death. And so being grateful as a spiritual practitioner who's dedicated your life to awakening, that these circumstances are provided for the awakening. It's like crucifixion, (laughs) right, Phil? Because we know that that process results in a resurrection of the spirit. It's all good, and it's a hard process to go through. So there's gratitude, and gratitude for the opportunity uh, of the transformation and feeling everything one feels when one goes through that process. Yes, and it's, like I was saying, it's a good practice for the rest of life. Yes. I mean, you know what I mean? It, exactly. It, it, yeah. you, you can't yeah, forget no. something like this. <laughs> no, no, and, but the point is we do, and that's why life presents us with these situations, right? Because we wouldn't ask for them. And so then having right. to go through them, were required to summon up a level of presence, which is in proportion to the death of the, death of the ego in the situation. And we yeah. find ourselves being able to summon it up. That's the still small voice there. Yes. Oh, that's nice. Right? Because what, yeah. survives, what survives that process is what, it, I mean, we talk about the still small voice as a voice, but it's really who, what, who and what we are. It is exactly. Us. Yes, and that's what I can feel. That's what I can feel yeah. uh, so strongly, you know, yeah. and that it's, that's what is, yeah, exactly where you put it, and thanks for uh, saying that, yeah. yeah. So thank you very much. I'm so glad I got called on. Thanks, Bill. Hang in there. I went I, in. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks, Phil. And here's our next caller, Ashwini. You're now live on the air. Will you please introduce yourself? Aloha, this is Laura. Hey, Laura. Hi. Um, Gosh, that was such a a helpful conversation. I'm seeing, um, well, I'm seeing a lot of conditioning coming in to try and um, bamboozle and distract me. And I'm also seeing so much more often the still small voice. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so seeing both. That not just that mm-hmm. there's an escalation of uh, the, condi- the conditioned conversation, there's also a, an increased frequency of being in touch with that still small voice. Uh-huh. And it used to be, I mean, when I, yeah, the other thing I was saying is it used to be when I would turn to the still small voice, I was always looking for guidance. Um, mm. What should I quote-unquote do? And mm. now it's just more of a relaxing into Mm-hmm. Oh, that is so beautifully put, uh, Laura. That, and it shows, again, what we're talking to Phil about is the maturity of our practice, right? That, that oftentimes we pick up the recorder only when there's challenging content. And for you, the parallel is to turn to the still small voice to ask for guidance around what to do. And now it's looking to guidance for how to be. Because that's really the yeah. crux of 
practice, it's not that we lose the illusion that we have control over outcomes or actions or circumstances. Outcome, I mean, circumstances evolve, and what we do is train to be with it. So what we're looking for guidance around also changes as our maturity in practice increases. So here I am, not looking to the still small voice in terms of what to do, but how to be with whatever it is that's going on. Mm-hmm. Wow. Oh, that was so beautifully, um, beautifully put, Ashwini. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. And because that's our only choice, right, Laura? I mean, uh, the more one lives, the more one is aware of how absolutely doing is out of your hands. You're unfolded. So how can I be as I am unfolded? And yes, let me be the instrument of the unfolding, but I can't be separate from it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. Wow, hey? <laughs> <laughs> wow, yes. <laughs> it's pretty amazing. <laughs> it is pretty amazing. Yeah. Well, thank, thank you, you Laura. Thanks, Laura. And Ashwini, one thing that just kind of drops in for me around that is that, that it's such a big bamboozle, like when I'm efforting, I think that I'm actually engaged in life. And, mm-hmm. and you know, it's just so clear as I've practiced with it over the years when I drop all that and I'm willing to, you know, get here. Um, there's this whole other universe that's available that's just, as I think you were pointing at, just kind of enfolding that I can participate in. Mm. Oh, that's so beautifully stated that if I, if I am efforting, it feels like I'm actually engaged in life. But it's when I drop that, that I'm actually participating in it, where life is engaging. It, life is engaging, we could say, it through me, right? And there's a, such a different world that becomes possible when that shift of attention happens. Yeah. 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 All right. Here is our next caller. You're now live on the air. Will you please introduce yourself? Hi, this is Sharon in Barbados. Hey, Sharon. What are you seeing? Well, it's a, it's a fabulous exercise. Um, and I can relate to what others have said, um, seeing clearly uh, the voices of conditioning and seeing more clearly um, my still small voice. And um, I just came out of a out of a, a period of being identified, and um, it start. I'll just give a small example because there's, there's several of them now. But I um, I was worried about my health, and I, of course I went on to Doctor Google, which is always a mistake. And it got me thinking, and I got fearful, and I got back into being identified, and then something dropped in at some point that um, all, all that fear and worry which was making, which was ruining my consciousness, ruining my day, was really zapping my energy. Not that I haven't heard you say that before, but that it was zapping my energy and that my energy might be better spent doing things that help me be a healthy, healthier person. 
you know, which is, you know, like, front thing, stop worrying, um, uh, make some healthy meals, get some rest. You know, I mean, if I think about it, what can I do right now? And there's plenty that I can do. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah. it was a, I know I've heard other people have this pretty much same thing, but when it happens to you, it feels like the first time. <laughs> yeah, it absolutely does. And it's, that's a very loud, still small voice. Right. Because on a process level, that's what happens to us. In we have been conditioned to believe that in all the important things in life, right? Kids, finances, health, spiritual practice, the best place to go is conditioned mind. And Dr. Google is an embodiment of that. So let me go (laughs) to try to figure this out and consult that that knowledge base. And as we were looking at the Rumi poem, that's the knowledge that's preserved, that's factual, that's statistical, that's expert, that is supposed to be the authority that we consult. And what happens when we do that is because we're in that identified place, it, is, it does produce that fear and that the complete inability to be with my experience, to be with life, that's the most intelligent thing that there is. Not mm. the ossified tablets of knowledge, but the dynamic, uh, the dynamic experience of that life force. And it dropped in mm. for you. Wait a second. It didn't say, uh, Sharon, don't consult Google. It basically said all that fear and worry is possibly causing you to become less healthy. So why don't you do something that assists you to feel better now? What an intelligent thing to say. I know, I know. And then yeah. the, all of that uh, angst lifted. Yeah. And, you know, that's what makes it really nice. So then you really can see the difference and what good it can yeah. do, you know. Yes. And we've been looking at that so much in the last two weeks around the still small voice that it's a process place. It's never talking to us about content. And it, that's what it, what it said was shift your attention, Sharon, from the world that makes you fearful to the presence that allows you to be here, not just not fearful, but also in touch with well-being. Mm-hmm. And, and my power, real power, in that versus having to go to conditioned mind. Yes, where you're completely what I can do with my Yeah, yeah. What can I do with my still small activities? <laughs> yes. Well, exactly. And as you said, the energetic difference is enormous because in Mm. that world of fear, the only thing that is happening is your energy is being depleted in feeding something that is also not healthy, right? Ego's flourishing, life force diminishes. So altering that process focus into what is it that's going to feed the life force, which always has higher odds in not just uh, energetic well-being, but also in healing and in all of those ways that assist the human being. It's affirmative as opposed to negation. But the thing is, it feels like, on some kind of twisted way, that I'm doing something about it. All that fear and worry feels like if I obsess about it and fret about it and think about it, somehow on a kind of a twisted level, I'm thinking that I'm going to be guided uh, with yes. my own steam. <laughs> but yes, it's, it's false. 
Yes, exactly. It's what Bob just said, that as long as I'm efforting, it feels like I'm engaging with life. But what I'm engaging with is egocentricity, which believes it's the author of the universe, right? That's what I'm identified with. I control everything. I could, I, if I make the right amount of effort and I'm the right person, we'll have the right outcome and everything will be fine. That's the world of conditioning. And it's the letting go of that that allows us to be in the world of life where the true power, as you said, actually evolves. And so the falseness is, as you point out, Sharon, is not so much that it's always life unfolding. Whether you're engaged in the effort or not, it's going to be what it is. Mm. I, it's the illusion is that I somehow can have something to do with, our, with the outcome. And so when you drop the, when you listen to that still small voice, all it says is relax into how it is, Sharon, because mm-hmm. efforting into it is not only not going to change how it is, it's probably going to be detrimental to your health. Because right. it puts you in a place of anxiety and fear and efforting, which, is, which doesn't allow you to be relaxed and, you know, relaxation helps your immune system. I mean, there's just... So much evidence that the physical is influenced by the energetics. Yeah, well, I can testify to that in terms of how different I felt once I had that epiphany. Well, thank you so much for taking my call, and thank you for your feedback. Okay, so many thanks to you and Bob. Thank you. Thanks, Sharon and Ashwini. There's so much I could say about that conversation, but I'd like to get mm-hmm. another caller on the line here. That was just fantastic. Um, next caller, you're now live on the air. Will you please introduce yourself? Hello, it's Alice. Can you hear me? Hi, Alice. Hi. Yes, you're loud and clear. What a nice surprise. Um, I'm delighted to hear about relaxing in the present space as a choice, as an alternative to being on the internet and part of me is laughing and smiling because here I am talking into the internet um, so focusing focusing carefully I have a question Ashwini I'm open minded and possibly there isn't an answer I don't know Um, I'm hearing that it can be relaxing to let go not to cling, not to grasp to let go and become Um, to come to terms with the situation as it is, as it is, not in a parallel universe, Um, and to listen to the small voice. Um, And what what I'm noticing, I think I might be asking you for guidance, possibly. What I'm noticing is that I appear to be able to focus on one thing with the exclusion of other things I appear to be able to let go of all sorts of things that I quote unquote used to like doing I don't mind not doing now I'm living a slightly different life with slightly changed health and I find myself in a position that feels somewhat curious I'm trying to work out if it's if it is genuine or if it's an illusion where I appear not to have anything to do and not to have anywhere to go. Nothing, nothing has to be done. 
I got the patients to sit and watch until my mud settles and the water is clear and remain unmoving. I think I'm getting the answer by myself. Do you have the patience to wait until your mud settles and the water's clear? Can you remain unmoving until right action appears by itself? Well, that means just sit and watch and be with it. But I just notice I appear to have nothing I need to do. And if I turn myself into a useless person, I don't know, I don't know Ashwini. Uh, well, here's, a, here's a possibility, Alice. Thanks, Ashwini. Yeah, so, so the intuition is to be still. And what happens is that's unfamiliar. <laughs> that's not what conditioning, that's not how we're conditioned, right? If we're, I'm not doing, if I'm not productive, if I'm not actually achieving something, then I, I don't exist. I don't have an identity. And so here you are in a, in a place of, uh, in a different circumstance, it sounds like, where, the, where, where there's stillness or there's the opportunity for stillness. And you watch the attention shift in, uh, to conditioned mind to make sense of that, to look to see whether that's okay or not. Uh-huh. And as you're talking about it, you watch yourself doing that for the attention to go from, okay, this is per- what's wrong with stillness? unless you consider something that has a question, that wants to question that. The most curious thing is that um, if you can unfold this one, untwist this one from conditioned mind, I'm very grateful. Um, It just appears like I'm effectively living on borrowed time since 2013 when there was a health change. And every morning I wake up, I'm lucky. I'm just lucky here, I'm here and breathing. And um, I can't, it, I'm, I'm, no, uh, no, no such thing as can't. I'm trying to come to terms with it. Uh, and maybe you don't need to. You can just okay. stay with curiosity because, as Sherry would often say, you're here to enjoy life. So every moment that you're alive, you can be here in gratitude, in love, in joy. You don't have to come to terms with being alive, that's what you are. You don't have to ter- come to terms with being alive, that's what you are. So when you're on immunosuppressants, you're scared that fear comes up. You're scared that the side effects reduce your immunity and that you can be knocked off the planet by things that other people uh, got a better immune system. I think it doesn't matter because I got to 2013, I'm already in the pound seats. That's exactly right. You're going to die anyway. You might as well die <laughs> having a good time. Well, I love it's, it. it's, I, I'm, I'm not being facetious about that, no. right? There's so much that we, we don't want to face. And the, the thing that we have to face the most, whether we face it, oh, it's like years and years away or it's moments away, is the impermanence. And so if yeah. within impermanence, we can walk the razor's edge between the fear of the ego that is afraid to die and life that is just wonderfully enjoying the moment of the life force now, then I would choose that. And if, I can, if the attention can be in the practice of between those two places and more often than not in the place that you seem to have arrived at, which is stillness without a sense of the I attempting to do anything, it's curious, it's interested, it's alive, it's still, enjoy it. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it, and I'm thankful for the surprise of being unmuted. Thanks so much to both of you and all of Sangha. 
Bye for now. Thanks, Alice. Bye. Thanks, Alice. And this one is love that conversation and phone call today because that that pointing out to me what a lot of the conversation today has pointed to is, you know, when I'm here, I get to actually directly be uh, attending to what you know what it, what you know how it is in this moment. Mm-hmm. But when I'm identified, I'm I'm holding on to this illusion that I'm actually. Uh, attending to what's here in this moment, but I'm just attending mm-hmm. to whatever conditioning has me in fear, worry, anxiety. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes, exactly. So if I'm here, I'm not. I, I'm here with how it is, whatever it is. And I think that's the that's the thrust of the assignment: that get to know the voice as it is, because what condition the conditioned voice. When we know the conditioned voice, we know ego as it is. But in order to know life as it is, I have to be here for however life is. And so that quality could be the stillness that Alice was pointing at or that sense of having to be here that Phil was pointing at. You're exactly right, Bob, that, that what, what, we are, what we're actually doing here is, is being so present, so present to how life as it is. Yeah, yeah, and we get to uh, actually fully participate, um, actually you know, mm. to, to, to show up and get to have all the everything that that implies you know the joy the yeah. happiness the, the the things that are difficult the, whatever they yeah. are but we get to actually be here for it yes we get to be here for it all right well that brings us to the end of the show ashwini and we'll talk to more callers tomorrow thank you so much bob all right take care go happy, go happy everybody